Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using muzzle sticks, big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do. Clearly marking a gun status communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners. Head over to muzzlestick.com. That's M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com today to place your order. After all, we all only have but one life. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show, The Traditionalist. We are recording on Saturday, September 4th, 2021. I'm Jack Fowler, the director of the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic, the author of its new newsletter, Civil Thoughts. Go to civilthoughts.com, subscribe for free. We're here to listen to the wisdom of the namesake of this show. That is Victor Davis Hanson, who is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Busk Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College, which just so happens to be the place where the good professor is now entering a second of two weeks teaching at the Hillsdale Institution. We'll talk more about Victor's bio, but I will mention up front, victorhanson.com. That is his website, The Blade of Perseus. We do recommend to our listeners to check it out regularly and subscribe because there's now a lot of material that Victor writes that is behind the paywall, but it is very affordable and very worth your while. On today's episode of The Traditionalist, we are going to talk a lot about Joe Biden. I think it was his last phone call with the president of Afghanistan, his non-meeting and lying about a meeting with uh, the folks from the Tree of Life synagogue, his meetings with the families of those soldiers and sailors killed in Afghanistan, this new book out about how the U.S. indeed did bankroll the Wuhan lab, Dr. Fauci, and there's a job reports out that is pretty stinky. So we're going to get talking about Joe Biden. Uh, Victor has a lot of important thoughts to share. But first, there is this important message. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We are back on the Victor Davis Hanson show, the traditionalist. Victor, you and I recorded another podcast today. That is The Classicist. You also do The Culturalist with Sammy Wink. There's any number of things to discuss about what Joe Biden has done since this fiasco in Afghanistan. And one of the things that has come out this week, Victor, no surprise, we've talked many times about the many lives of Joe Biden, is that he had a discussion, he had a conversation, there was a transcript, the White House put it out, but in July 23rd, he talked with Afghans, then President Ashraf Ghani, and Biden told him, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, and this is the important part, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. Victor, they tried to hang Donald Trump for far less than that. But despite we don't need necessarily to compare this to anything Donald Trump or anyone else did. It's a freestanding, shocking thing, in my opinion. Victor, what do you think about what Joe Biden did in this uh, discussion with the Afghan president back in July? What was uncanny about it, Jack, was that it was not what Donald Trump did with the Ukrainian president, but it was what Donald Trump was accused of that led to his impeachment. Remember that impeachment, the first impeachment was based on the idea of abuse of power, i.e. he was leveraging a foreign government for a political agenda and an obstruction of Congress. He wasn't going through congressional channels and he wasn't giving aid that Congress had approved to Ukraine, which he did. But here's what he did. He said to Mr. Ghani, there's a lot of bad stuff going out there, we hear, and you know this isn't good. So whether it's as bad as you think or as good as you think, you better, you, if you have to lie about it, lie about it. And then Ghani, but we need air support. And Joe Biden said, well, we'd like to give you air support. He said, can you give it maybe through August? Well, yes. But what he's basically doing on the phone call is leveraging air support so that Ghani would lie. And that leaked out. And that's another irony. And that is that when Donald Trump became president, they leaked his conversation with the Australian president. They leaked his conversation with the Mexican president. That's illegal. And the, the New York Times, NPR, PBS, Washington, they thought that was hilarious. What an idiot. Wow, look at that. You don't hear a peep now about the ethics of leaking a presidential phone call, i.e. it's always wrong, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden to do that. It's only, as Jen Psaki says, wrong that it was leaked in the case of Joe Biden. So there's a lot of irony there. But the bigger question is simply the truth. And there's no hiding it. For the last two to four years, about 65% of the people wanted us to get out of Afghanistan after 15, 16. They didn't think in a cost-benefit analysis 
it was worth the continued support, or they believed the military who said again and again, progress, 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 advancement, advancement, advancement. And so they thought, well, you know what? They don't need us anymore. And then when you factor in the idea that Trump started this de-escalation in earnest and nobody died, and nobody died because they knew that he's capable of anything at any time, whether it's, we discussed earlier, he could kill Soleimani or blow up ISIS or Russian mercenaries, and he might do it to Taliban, and he'd done it. So Joe Biden came in, and there hadn't been anybody killed in a year. And they watched, and they looked at Joe Biden, and they started to incrementally come out of the hills and their terrorist enclaves and start taking cities. And Joe Biden told us, look, America in the face in July, and say, well, we got a 300,000-man army. Don't worry about it. We've got all this hardware. They're, they're not going to lose. Meanwhile, he was telling the president, lying to us and telling the president, it looks bad, lie to the lies so that I can say that you said basically that things are good. That was his intent. Right. And so when he started to pull out, he told the military, we got to pull out. And our brave, outspoken, you know, Grant and Sherman, Patton, Ridgeway military, they said, you know, get out of background. We got to get out of there. The, the only really defensible based in the Central Asia and worth about 400 million in improvements and the anchor to preserve a $1 billion embassy and the only safe place to evacuate people out of, they left in the middle of the night. They didn't even tell our allies that. And then I guess General Milley and General Austin, now they say, well, we advise, we counsel. Well, if you did that, and he did the exact opposite, if that's true, then you better quit and tell everybody that well, you're not responsible, that you objected. But if you don't quit and you don't say up to us, you just leak to the press that you objected in a cowardly fashion, then you should be fired. And so that's where we are. And what's the, I don't know what the repercussions are other than, $85 billion is a lot of hardware. It will be the greatest arms mart in the Middle East and Asia. Every terrorist nut will flock to Afghanistan, but in a way far more confidently than they used to before 9-11 because they're coming off an impressive win over superpower. I make a slight prediction that you will start seeing North Korea boldly testing uh, nuclear weapons or sending rockets into Japanese airspace. You're going to see a lot of rhetoric, a lot of saber rattling about Taiwan. You're going to see Vladimir Putin talking about the overreach of NATO on his western border and he's going to crack down on former Soviet republics if they cross him. You'll start seeing him bullying Scandinavia, flying into Swedish airspace, telling the Baltic states this and that. You're going to see Iran boldly announcing that it's almost got a nuclear weapon as deterrence starts to disappear and dissipate. And then we're going to, it's going to get interesting, Jack, because when you start to lose deterrence, it's a cascading phenomenon. And somebody's going to have to say, President Biden, you're going to have to restore deterrence. Now look at the map and who do you want to stop? Because if you don't, we're going to have a very strange world in which Japan will go nuclear to protect itself from North Korea, in which Israel will probably have to have a preemptive strike to take out these nuclear facilities in Iran, in which somebody is going to have to say, we're going to come to Taiwan's aid or we're not. One way or the other, they're going to have to say it.
before Taiwan may be overwhelmed or bullied. So that's okay. what we're at. And nobody, nobody in the left who said, remember, adults in the room, adults in the room, adults right. in the room. Where's Fareed Zakaria to offer his sterling analysis after telling us that Trump was a disaster and yeah. we have now adults in the room? Where are all the never Trumpers to come out and say, this is exactly why we can't have Donald Trump in the White House. Exactly. Now we've got a man that knows what he's doing, as I told you. You right. don't hear any of it. Yeah. Now the world is clearly overnight a much, much more dangerous place. But the Biden administration, the president himself are still busy taking victory laps about the evacuation, which I can't believe how how to sync it is with the realities of the situation on the ground. Victor, let's keep talking about Joe Biden here and wish we didn't have to have this conversation, the, what's coming up next, because it involves the death of 13 Americans. Many more were harmed. Many Afghani were killed and harmed, also wounded. Joe Biden, as the president, had met with the families of the men and women who were killed. It didn't seem to go very well. First of all, he was the image of Joe Biden looking at his watch which was a terrible thing for George Bush to do during a presidential debate. Never mind a president at a, I cannot imagine, more solemn ceremony that a president would be at. The families say that in private, he kept talking about himself, this, like this was about him, not about their dead children, not about the family sorrow. And also there was much reported about him talking about his son, Bo, which he's done publicly any number of times recently, bringing his son into this tragedy as if he was a gold star father. I think some people have written, you know, son did die, but he did not die from the war, from any war. So, Victor, those kind of reports, those images of the president, what are your thoughts? Well, the way that people have excused his dementia is that he's good old Joe Biden from Scranton. He's a good old guy. But the reason that he imploded in two presidential races was not just that he used language that was inconsiderate, coarse, but racist, racist, or that he plagiarized and lied, but because he was obnoxious and he was insecure and he was full of braggadocio. The thing about the corn pop stories were not just that he was racist, but that he was Joe Biden with a bunch of chain and he was taking on these whole gang. He was the guy that was gonna take Joe, uh, Donald Trump and beat him up behind the gym. And he's the guy that slammed down a guy's head in the counter that offended his sister. So it's always the same thing. It's Joe Biden. And then there were all these other stories about him. You know, He loved to swim nude in front of female secret service agents. He charged the Secret Service, you know, money for building a little hut or using one of his houses or something right next to him. He was always a grifter, as we learned from the Hunter Biden, and he was always a liar. He said right in front of us in October that this was Russian disinformation. Mm -hmm. He said right in front of us that he had never discussed any of Hunter Biden's business activities. And we know they were on a, the flights together. We know that in the... Hunter Biden email trove, text trove, that they did all the time. So my point is that he was never a nice guy. In a very strange way, his dementia covered that up. And now it can't be covered up anymore. And he mentions Bo Biden, who died of a brain tumor or a type of brain tumor, or aneurysm brain tumor. He, he mentions him all the time. 
but always in the idea that, he, that somehow the solemn moment, at, the solemn occasion of the moment doesn't quite reach his own solemn moment, or he lies about the tree of life that he went and visited there. It's always lying about how empathetic he is and how he loves to have outreach and care for people. He's so sensitive, but he's insensitive because he lies. He doesn't yeah. do that at all. And he uses things that we talked in another broadcast, remember about lying about, how can anybody lie about how their wife was killed? I think that if something happened to my wife and I went around the country or I said, you know, a drunk driver killed her when it was not a drunk driver, I'd feel horrible yeah. to malign somebody with that charge. Yet nobody said a word. Yeah. Nobody even, said if you, a word. even if you were cold and calculating about that kind of stuff, Victor, you would think, wow, I can get the maximum empathy out of this sad situation I'm in. But then to try and supersize that, how can I make this empathetic situation even more empathetic for me? Yeah, what does Joe Biden have now? Foreign policy, he has systematically, deliberately, unlawfully not enforced federal immigration law. That was what he took an oath to do to enforce faithfully the laws. He has not done that on the border. We have two million people scheduled in a 12 month period to arrive, many of them with COVID or at least suspicions of COVID. He has inflated the economy because he paid people not to work and he jawboned people not to produce. And we're getting into stagflation. David Goldman's got a great article that the inflation rate is not what you think. When you look at 10% increases in cars, 10 to 20% in houses. When you look at fuel, gasoline costs 20%. We're running at a, a red hot inflation and the economy is starting to slow down because producers cannot keep up with this artificial demand. It's not created by anything other than a lot of free money. Yeah. And so he's done all of that and he's destroyed NATO, basically. He's destroyed the alliance. He's destroyed deterrence. He's destroyed everything he touched. That's why I wrote an article called The Drossy Touch. Everything this man touches turns to dross. It always has. He's a bully. He's a braggart. And we felt sorry for him because in his reduced state, we all know people in our family and our circle of friends that have Alzheimer's or dementia. And we can see the onsets and we know the pattern get off my grass scowling, the, you know, looking around with that hapless look like somebody come and help me. Okay, we understand that. But he abuses our trust and our sympathy. And people get killed. And the Democratic Party knew that. And he was a vessel to carry their radical agenda across the finish line so they could use him. And they're going to use him. When he gets to be a liability, and he's right there, when he gets down to 41 or 42% in the polls, as bad as Kamala Harris is, the left will put her up there and the leaks will start coming if they're not already from her or not her staff, not, not from anybody else. And so this is the disaster for the country. Right. We had so many, I mean, you can say, any, all your listeners can say, well, you know, I didn't like the tweeting of Donald Trump. But when you look at the economy, when you look at employment, when you look at the security of the border, when you look at uh, the Afghan situation, when you look at North Korea, when you look at Iran, when you look at our change policy toward China, when you look at efforts to reinvest in the Middle West, you look at all of that and you look at what this man has done in eight months, 
it's incredible that anybody would have such an on Midas touch so effectively. Everything he touches, he destroys, and quickly. Victor, if someone went to sleep 10 years ago and woke up today, didn't live through the election last year, I don't think they'd be surprised. They may be aghast at the situation, but I don't think anyone would be surprised that, oh, yeah, Joe Biden's in charge. And of course, this is going to happen. If you go back a year, as we've discussed before in other podcasts, what did people who never Trumpers and others on the Republicans, Carly Fiorina and John Kasich and and other uh, Biden enablers, what did they think was going to happen? This is what was going to happen. This isn't a surprise. I this told is, this so is a- many people that, Jack. I told them and I won't mention any names, but I told them in October, November, December, both before and after the election. I said, if you really believe this is Joe, old Joe Biden from Scranton, then you're wrong both ways. Because if it is, we're screwed. And if it's not, and he's just an emissary for the left, we're even screwed. So it's a lose-lose situation. This guy is going to be a disaster. You know, remember that everybody quotes Robert Gates. There wasn't one major foreign policy decision in the last 20 years that Joe wasn't wrong or Barack right. Obama. Joe always finds a way to screw things up. Everybody that's around him knew that. Even Hunter Biden seems to be leveraging him. Hunter Biden's really angry that Joe Biden sort of considers him a liability, why he earns all the money for the family syndicate. You get the impression that he never criticizes Biden or nobody. This art scam that he's pulling off where he does this paint by the numbers fifth grade art and sells it to potential grifters who want leverage with Biden and then nobody says anything. I think they think if we tell Hunter not to do this, then Hunter may just lose another laptop yeah, accidentally right. on purpose. And we're he'll screwed. explain the mansions, how Joe was able to afford the life he's leading now. No, nobody well, can explain that. Well, Hunter can. So, all right. Well, Victor, let's talk about someone else who was always at the top of our hit parade, and that is Anthony Fauci. I saw this today. I sent you a link. This is on the Daily Mail's site. New report that's titled uh, "U.S. Cash Funded Controversial Wuhan Virus Lab." So, this how this. Give me just a second here to context that the U.S. was funding China's controversial Wuhan laboratory as it embarked on a secretive project to identify deadly viruses with pandemic potential. A new book has claimed, according to what really happened in Wuhan, the cover-ups, the conspiracies, and the classified research by Shari Markson, the Wuhan Institute of Virology was creating a database of potentially lethal viruses with the help of Shi Zhengli, a.k.a. Batwoman. Miss Zhengli, who earned her nickname sampling thousands of bats in remote caves, collected 19,000 samples while at Wuhan, with 2,481 of those containing coronaviruses. Her work was all part of China's own version of the Global Virome Project, GVP. The GVP was supposed to be an international collaboration effort to identify within 10 years all of the planet's viruses which have pandemic or epidemic potential in humans. Almost finished here. Uh, But during a visit to the Wuhan Institute in March 2018, U.S. career diplomat Rick Switzer, alongside U.S. Consul General Jamie Faust, found that China had launched its own version in a lab with poor safety practices and no U.S. oversight, and in a cable sent to the State Department in April, 
Mr. Switzer made clear how the National Institutes of Health, headed by Dr. Anthony Fauci, was funding the research at the lab, which included experimenting with coronaviruses. So, Victor, I'd like you to comment on that, uh, anything about this as you want, and anything related to mass coronavirus, this push by some lunatics for vaccine passports, the um, authoritarianism of our local governments, double masking, triple masking, et cetera. Victor, your thoughts? I, think I, I wrote an essay about why people have not trusted the government. I mean, you got a vaccination, I got a vaccination, everybody in my family got a vaccination. So it's not like I'm an anti-vaxxer. But when you systematically, from the very beginning, first assure us this was a bat or a pangolin, why you know, you being people in the U.S. government, you know that you have been funneling through, I don't know what we call it, a paywall or firewall or some kind of front. You're funding gain-of-function research in China at the lab right next to the first or at the first infection that's known, and you're not telling Americans about that, or you know that a, a travel ban is necessary and you're not saying so, or you're criticizing the person who issues it, and then you say that masks are not necessary, necessary, two masks are necessary, herd immunity is 60, 70, 80, 90% or doesn't exist, then you tell people that, hey, even if you're infected, you've got to get vaccinated even though you know that that increases the chance of side effects. But more importantly, there's a lot of data now that suggests that natural acquired immunity from a prior infection is as good or better a defense against new infection than is a vaccination. Or you say there's no difference between the Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, and Moderna. Just go get it. And now we learn that the Moderna creates almost twice as many antibodies as the Pfizer. So every single thing the Institute of Allergies, Infectious Diseases, and National Institutes of Health, Center for Disease Control, said is wrong and deliberately wrong. And it's a noble line. They feel, well, we got to get people vaccinated. So whatever, say whatever you have to. Scare them, lie to them, charm them, deceive them, but get them vaccinated. That's their attitude. And as far as the virus goes, think about it where there was an international team with Peter Dasik the person right. engaged in funneling the money to the to the Chinese who have this Echo Health sort of nonprofit that made him a multimillionaire. And then he's picking and choosing who can be on the team. And then even the team gets over to China and the Chinese can't even play along. They just say, no, no, no. Research here is going to be given to you. No data here. And then they go back and say, natural origins, not... So this was all a lie. And the only mystery now is, as we start to learn the truth is, yes, it came out of the lab and yes, it escaped. And yes, the Chinese military had a hand in it. And yes, it was a gain of function type of virus. And now the, the known unknowns are, were they experimenting with a bioweapon? And this weird virus's ability to mutate into a a new strain that seems to be more infectious and maybe even as deadly or more deadly. It was this part of the idea of this artificial engineered virus. And are we ever going to learn? That's what we're waiting for now. And China, of course, is off the races in their propaganda. But if that comes out that 
this thing was a bioweapon or it was research that would lead to a bioweapon. And a lot of the stubbornness about eradicating it, it just didn't sweep through and disappear. And whether you have immunity from each strain and whether the vaccination, all of that difficulty that's destroying the economy and lives, if that is traced back to a deliberate gain of engineering attribute, then I think there's going to be a national and international effort to do something to China. It is an act of war, wouldn't it? Would you think that might qualify as that? Yes. Well, Victor, how about vaccine passports? Any thoughts about? I have one, Jack. You do? Yes, I do. To get back onto the Stanford University campus, and I had to go there last week, and to go to the Hoover Institution, you go on a particular Stanford Green, I think it is, and then a window pops up, and then you download a picture of your vaccination certificate, or you can go to your state registry, California can register you, and then bam, you're giving a passport, and every time you go on campus, you hit it, and then I suppose if somebody asks you, to produce it, you show them on your iPhone, or, and this is scarier, I know that if you go on the Stanford campus in the last 16 months and you didn't register as a visitor and maybe you might've had to take a test if you were on campus a lot, then they'll find your cell phone ping and they will send you an email. They're monitoring all of us. And so, you know- Victor, you're on a campus right now. At yes, Hillsdale. I am. Any, any passports there? I mean, uh, no. So I could you t- discuss quickly? Yeah, the, it's, uh, it's the, very good because it, it kind of belies what the left says about conservatives. So when COVID hit, the Hillsdale attitude was if the general population is dying about one to ninety nine, one uh, percent or half a percent. And if you look at the non Basically, on a university campus, there's not a lot of professors over 70, some, but not a lot. And there's a lot of students who in the, you know, the first strains did not seem to get it. So what Hillsdale did is they bought shields. I was here last year, right at the height of the the epidemic. And I'm here now at the height of the second epidemic. No one, I've never seen anybody in the community of Hillsdale or on campus being asked to wear a mask. And I would say 10% of the people I see wear a mask. I don't know if that's wise or not, but that's the reality. And I do see the campus going on as usual as it did all last year. But President Arn had air filtration systems in the classroom so that the air is sort of like a plane. And he was one of the first people to rush to the Pfizer company and suggest to them if you can vaccinate all the faculty and administration that want to be vaccinated, you can use our refrigeration units, which they did. And that was to the greater good of the surrounding community who was also vaccinated quite early. So what I'm getting at is most of the faculty have been vaccinated and were among the first people in the United States to be vaccinated. So the campus has you know, a lot. And then the attitude is always, if we were vaccinated, we would advocate that you get vaccinated. If you're not going to be vaccinated, we're going to make sure that we can reduce the chances of it without health problems incurred by masks or shutting down the campus. And then we have protocols. Last year I was here, you had to have your temperature taken, I think every week. 
this year, there's a number of quarantine houses where if you feel you have a high fever, you can be tested and then they will quarantine you. So they're very realistic about it. They want to take every medical avenue they can to prevent the spread of COVID, but not to the extent of discriminating against people that may have, you know, an immune problem or that they react traditionally very dangerously to a vaccination or... Right, they might be immune already. (laughs) Their idea is not one of fear. It is, okay, here's COVID. Let's adjudicate it. It's probably a terrible flu. It's worse than a terrible flu. But if it is, here's how we're going to deal with it. And here are the array of drugs that are available. So there's a hospital, two doctors on campus at certain times, and there's a good county hospital not far away. doesn't mean there's a perfect solution, but it does mean that this idea that you're going to eradicate COVID forever. Right. While you have an open border and two million people are crossing from unvaccinated places or that you have people with immune conditions that can't get vaccinated or don't want to get. I mean, it's not in a free country. It's very hard to say we're going to destroy all COVID will never exist again, rather than Mm. we're going to find a way to live with it where it doesn't hurt us. Well, it's not hard to say if you're a bureaucrat because they like saying that. Well, Victor, let's wrap it up with just a few minutes left that we have. Yesterday, jobs report came out. I believe the the stock market folks were expecting growth of about 750,000 jobs. It fell way short of that, about 250,000. Interestingly, I'm reading on Yahoo Finance a piece that says, despite the fall short of growth, Half of U.S. small businesses have unfilled positions. Why, again, we have the people getting paid not to work. Victor, any last thoughts about the American economy? Yeah, I'm very worried because I think we're starting to see stagflation. We know we have inflation. The consumer price index goes up at about five to seven annualized each month. So we know now annually it'll be about five to seven percent. So that already tells us that those bankers and capitalists that have given money to people at 2.8% for 30 years for a mortgage, they're going to be very hurting and they're not going to keep doing this. And so they're going to tell the banks, you've got to raise the Federal Reserve, you've got to raise interest rates. And because people don't really have any money, they just have cash that's been printed. As soon as that runs out, and it will run out then they're not going to buy things and they're not going to buy mortgages. So the houses have gone up so high and people are so leveraged. It's, so, it's sort of like musical chairs. If somebody yeah. calls the bluff and says, I'm not going to pay that price. I'm not going to take a loan out at 6%. That's too high. 7%. Then the whole thing is going to start into a recessionary cycle and that will be a stagflationary cycle. But when you look at the consumer price index, they don't really factor in housing going up at 20%, rent going up at 15%, gasoline going up, depending on the state, 10 to 20%, food going up about eight to 10%. So the things that people actually use, appliances, food, shelter, fuel, transportation, they've gone up far more than five to 7%. Everybody knows it. And I think the idea is that Joe Biden is riding the tiger and he can't stay on, he can't get off. He knows that if he stops printing money, then the boom is over with. But if he does keep printing money, then somebody's going to be riding when he gets Mm -hmm. consumed. And he hopes that he can get through his first term and then hand it off to somebody else who can be blamed. 
Well, maybe he can just beat the tiger up because he's such a tough guy. Mm. Slam his head down in the jungle counter. <laughs> yeah, jam rosary beads down its throat. <laughs> Victor, to our listeners, again, victorhanson.com is the website where Victor, much original content written by Victor, who is a writing machine. You've In the recent days, you've started Under the Historian's Corner, some mythologies about World War II. You've just done a lengthy four-part series on when citizenship dies. You have an interesting retort. It's an old feature that you had angry reader, which hadn't been dabbled with in a while, but you back to dabbling with it and it's wonderful to read, but you have to subscribe. So please do that folks. A lot to, it's very affordable and well worth your while. VictorHanson.com. While you're there, you'll find the link to Victor's forthcoming book out in one month, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America. Victor, we encourage our listeners to subscribe to this podcast. And this is the, the traditionalist, also the classicist and the culturalist, all under the umbrella of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Subscribe on whatever platforms. But if you're on iTunes, we encourage you to leave a five-star review for Victor's brilliance. And if you would like to leave a comment, please do so. Also, we read them. And here are two, I'd just like to share, two of the many. Marie's Guy wrote, superb, VDH articulates his views in such a way that the listener understands exactly what the truth is. I find myself shaking my head constantly saying, yes, that makes perfect sense. Thank you, Marie's guy. I wonder if Mrs. Hansen says that. <laughs> you speak, Victor. And then uh, The Mom 1982, titled A Grateful Grandmother, a level-headed voice for these strange times, VDH's knowledge of history and its application keeps my head from spinning out of control. A great American. She is right, Grandma. You're very right. Victor, thanks for, again, sharing your wisdom on these topics. I hope your second and final week up at Hillsdale goes swimmingly and your return to the Central Valley of California goes with direct connecting flights that don't need to be sidetracked any which way for gas or other hurricanes or whatever other weirdnesses. I do not know anyone that has had to endure what you've had to endure in the last few months when it comes to air travel. So we thank our listeners for listening and we will be back soon with another edition of the traditionalist on the Victor Davis Hanson show. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. And thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week.